Good morning, Crossway. You know, today is Father's Day, so I thought it'd be nice if we could. If there is a father around you, you know, Mother's Day, you, you know, we had the kids come in and pray, and, you know, we spent a lot of time really thinking about it, and the Father's Day, we're kind of like, all right, let's do boba. So, you know, I want you to know that being a father is a huge responsibility that, you know, the Bible tells us that we have. Uh, a, a huge role in the family. And so we want to recognize, uh, you know, the fathers here are putting in good work. And so do you mind just going around, just patting them on the back, giving them a high five, let's welcome each other by just saying happy Father's Day to the fathers around us. Let's do that. All right. Thank you for doing that. Um, you know, two of the most difficult things uh, about being a follower of Jesus Christ in this broken world is, one, forgiving someone that has hurt you. And then, two, to have faith and trust in God when things don't work out the way that you want. What's amazing about Genesis 45 is that we see Joseph personifying and living out these two very difficult things in his life. Forgiveness and faith. So what we're going to do today is very simple. We're going to look at these two uh, really difficult things in Joseph's life. And my prayer is that maybe for us in this room that we would open up our hearts to these very difficult things that God asks his followers to do. So the first thing we see is Joseph's forgiveness. Let's read verses 1 through 5 once again. It says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. So that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. You know, Genesis 45 is a culmination of the previous few chapters. Right? Because Joseph met his brothers. They came for food. And they didn't recognize him. So he was doing some tests, pretending to be someone else. And finally, Genesis 45 is a culmination of that. Where he finally reveals who he truly is to his brothers. There's no more tests, no more pretending to be someone else. He breaks down crying before his brother so loudly that it tells us that all of Egypt heard his cry. And in verse 3 he says, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? Come near to me. Please, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And then in verse 3 continues, and it tells us that the brothers cannot answer because they were dismayed 
at his presence. The word dismayed there means terrified or to tremble inwardly. And it makes sense because imagine the shock of these brothers when they come face to face with their little brother, the victim, whom they hated. They abused. They plotted to kill him. And they ultimately sold him into slavery. They literally took from Joseph all that was precious to him. His freedom, his family, everything that he desired valuable was ripped apart by these brothers. And so they could not speak when they found out it was Joseph. But what does Joseph do? He cries. He hugs. He embraces. And he forgives his brothers. My brothers and sisters, forgiveness is one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian life. It shouldn't be, but if I could be honest, at times it feels more natural to pull for vengeance and not forgiveness, right? You know, I've been watching this Korean drama recently. Don't judge me. But what intrigued me about it was it was a story about a girl who gets bullied in Korea, right, in high school. Right? I don't know. Any of you guys watch it? It's called The Glory or... Uh, uh, translated, it means glory. Um, uh, some of it was really graphic. I mean, I had to fast forward through even some of the scenes of the bullying. And um, You know, what was intriguing about this, I, I'm a pastor, I love the Lord, right? I care about what he wants. But episode one, right, what happens? What do you start pulling for? You watch this, you see how she got bullied, and you're like, yeah, get them back. Ruin those guys that ruined your life. It almost felt better to pull for this main character who got so hurt, right? And as I'm watching, as things are happening, and then the other people, their lives are getting ruined, what do you do? You, like, start smiling, right? Uh, kind of enjoy it. This is kind of the issue with an unforgiving heart. Because at times, it, it doesn't feel that horrible. It could even feel virtuous. You might be like, Pastor John, I, I can't forgive them. Forgive them? Like, if you knew what they did to me or to my family, there's literally no way. This is what makes this so challenging, my friends. Because even when it doesn't seem fair, God asks his disciples, and his followers to forgive others and to leave the justice to him. And this is very difficult. There are no loopholes for Christians to get out of forgiving others. Trust me, I've looked throughout the Bible because there are times I don't want to forgive some people in my life. It's very clear in the Bible. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer? Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we, what? Forgive our? Yeah, I think I heard two of you, and um, 
but forgive our debtors. Two verses later, verse 14 and 15, it says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus here is not implying that forgiveness is a prerequisite for salvation, but what he is saying is that true followers, true believers, will be like our Heavenly Father and will and must try their best to forgive those that sin against them. This is a resounding theme all throughout Scripture. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In Matthew 18.21 and 22, Peter comes and asks Jesus a question. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Right? Peter's feeling kind of virtuous. He's like, oh, if I do it seven times, isn't that enough? And Jesus replies, no, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus is not literally saying 490 times. What he's saying is unlimited forgiveness. God is asking us to forgive others. Not because it's easy, not because it's fast, not because we'll always want to, not even because they're repentant, those that hurt us. Not because we can forget what people have done to us. The reason that's always given in Scripture is that we can and must do this because as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive others. See, the whole idea here is as Christians, we can excuse the unforgivable in others because God has forgiven and excused the unforgivable in us. And when you start to understand how much God loves and has forgiven us, the idea is that it's supposed to transform and push us into this area, a very vulnerable and painful area of forgiveness in our own hearts. You know, I was following this story and I kind of saw this pastor who, uh, he lost his, um, his pregnant wife and his son uh, because of an accident, right? And the crazy thing about this story, you'll see a picture of him. His name is Eric Fitzgerald, and um, this other gentleman is the one that accidentally killed his wife and his unborn son. And I, I just thought it would be nice for us to kind of enter into these places because we all have people we need to forgive and sometimes it's very difficult. So just take a look at their story. Go ahead. I work as a firefighter at EMT. Um, I was just finished uh, getting off a 24-hour shift. Uh, we had an extremely busy shift. Um, I really only got about 30 minutes of sleep. I drove home and uh, I didn't really feel the need that I, I needed to pull over. So about two miles from my house, 
um, I ended up falling asleep at the wheel and crossing the center line and uh, hitting an oncoming car head on. I had just woken up uh, that morning and, and I heard a, a pounding on the front door. And so I went to see what was going on and uh, the senior pastor from my church where I served, Jeff, was there. He had told me that my wife and my daughter had been in a car accident. That I need to get my keys, get my cell phone, get my wallet, and let's go. So I grabbed my stuff, we jumped the truck, we went to the hospital. When we got to the hospital, uh, the chaplain met us uh, at the emergency room and kind of walked us to the counseling room. The doctor began to share kind of what had happened, that June had sustained um, severe head trauma um, and, and some broken bones, and, and the steering column had actually been uh, area. And due to the injuries that she sustained, um, that she had gone into cardiac arrest almost immediately, uh, the EMTs um, did everything that they could uh, on the way to the hospital to try to do aggressive CPR and, and keep her going. But when they got to the hospital, um, they, they pronounced her dead. Um, my wife was also pregnant, uh, almost seven months pregnant uh, with our son, and, um, and we lost him as well. Faith, uh, who was 19 months old at the time, was also in the car, but amazingly, uh, she came out of it with, uh, with no injuries, just some mild abrasions and some bruises. Um, hearing, hearing the news, uh, just trying to process it, not only did I lose uh, my wife and my best friend, but I also lost a son. <clears throat> I went outside uh, to call my mom and tell her what had happened, and it's <clears throat> the most difficult phone call I've ever had to make. I work as a firefighter EMT. I share this story because, you know, Eric has his whole life turned upside down, and he had every reason to hate Matt. He did. And Matt, uh, you know, this firefighter, it was on, obviously on accident, and so he actually wanted to take his own life because he fell into this deep depression. He ruined this weather family. And what saved him from doing that was this friendship that Eric started. Eric came to court, and, and they were going to lay down uh, a pretty heavy sentence because he's a public... Uh, county officer, uh, but he came and said, I, I didn't see why this accident and tragedy needed to ruin any more lives, and he pleaded that the, the sentence get lowered. They started a friendship, and through his love and forgiveness of this brother, uh, it saved his life. Now, I share that, not because it's like, oh, okay, I, I guess we should all, no, but I want to I kind of say something. This was on accident by a stranger. And, but as you enter into that world, you can feel the pain, can't you? The difficulty of even trying to forgive someone that does it on accident, and maybe that is not close to you. Now, imagine the pain and the hurt when it's intentional and by someone actually close to you, right? It hurts that much more, and it's that much more harder to forgive. But this is where we find Joseph. That's what makes this story so profoundly shocking. Is that knowing the hatred that his brothers had for him. Knowing that they did everything intentionally on purpose. He's still able to forgive them. He doesn't condone their wrongdoing. But he's able to look past it and to forgive as God would forgive us.
Um, you know, it is Father's Day, so I just thought I would share. You know, uh, even for me, in my own personal journey, I think one of the most difficult things for me is this area of forgiveness. You know, for the longest time, uh, it is Father's Day, and Father's Day was a very difficult holiday for me growing up. Because uh, my dad, before he met Christ, and maybe I've shared this story, if not, you know, I'm sure maybe it resonates with some of you guys. He was an alcoholic and, uh, you know, trying to make ends meet, being a, you know, an immigrant. And, um, yeah, before he really took us to church, it, it, he was a horrible man, you know, and he made our life very difficult. Uh, he would hit my mom, you know, and, you know, even from, like, you know, ages 9 to maybe 13, my prayer every night was that my parents would not fight. And then one day he got saved and he, and he changed and, and, you know, and praise God for that. But for the longest time, if I could just be honest, I could not forgive him for the nightmare he put us through growing up. Because it scarred my mom, me, my brother. It, it, I mean, it's to the point where, you know, as a father now, like, I try to be extra vigilant to make sure my family is, like, a healthy unit and, like, we all love each other. Like, you know, we're going to really just embrace and no fighting and, you know, like, you're going to love our family, okay? Like, like I, I go, like, overdo it, right? Because I grew up in such a, like, kind of a weird, difficult situation. And at, at times, I thought it was just impossible. We're not good at this. But my prayer is that we would bring to the table with God a willingness and an openness before the Lord. I believe that even if we're unwilling to forgive right now, but willing to try to become willing, I hope that makes sense, that God can work with that. And we need God's help. Because maybe some of you in this room right now, you know there are people in your lives that God has been prodding your heart to consider trying to reach out to forgive and embrace. You know, what is also kind of interesting about this passage is, you know, he doesn't reveal himself to his brothers, like, really fast. He doesn't. He holds back. You know why? Because he's very wise. Because... He doesn't want to make himself vulnerable to his brothers until he realizes that they've changed, okay? And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because forgiveness does not mean staying in an abusive relationship. It doesn't mean subjecting ourselves to the same hurt over and over again. That's not what forgiveness is. So Joseph takes his time to make sure that when he's ready, that he can reveal himself to embrace and to truly forgive his brothers. And you can tell how much pain he's been holding on to for years because the cry was heard throughout Egypt. Right? That's how heartbroken he was to hold on to years of pain 
right? And you know, if you have kids, you know this, right? There's like the cry that's not a cry. You know what I'm talking about? They fall and they're like, eh, and you're like, that's okay, it's fine, right? Like parents know. But you know, there's that real cry where they do something and it's like you can tell from their wail that something is not right. Because it comes from something that's just such a deep, deep pain. My prayer, uh, my brothers and sisters, is you can take your time, but don't fall into the trap of an unforgiving and unloving heart. Because God has excused the unforgivable in us. And he's asking us, to walk into the most difficult of situations to forgive those that have hurt us. And I pray that we would, even if we're unwilling right now, pray for a willingness and an openness. Let's go to point two. We see Joseph's faith and the hand of God working in his life. In verses five through eight, it says this. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and rule over all the land of Egypt. The journey of Joseph, if you've been following, has been filled with more disappointments and pain than wins. I just made a little, you can shoot it up, I don't know who's back there, but here's a little graph of some of the things that's been happening, right? Some of the negative things are he was abused Kidnapped, falsely accused, he was enslaved, he was imprisoned, he was once again falsely accused, he was forgotten, imprisoned. And like kind of the one kind of thing was, oh, and then he, he kind of became something in, in Egypt. So a lot of bad, and at the end it's kind of like, oh, yay, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of nice at the end. And what is remarkable about kind of Joseph is that what he's saying is he's looking at his journey and his life. And he's saying there are no accidents. That God had a purpose. That all of this happened. All the good and the bad from beginning to end, that all of it, that God has a purpose and that I trust him. It's one thing if it's like he has a bunch of successes It's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that God is in control and that that you trust him. But literally, he's saying, I have had a mountain of difficulty in my life. And what I'm telling you is that every avenue and turn and difficulty, and maybe at times he was doubting, but he's saying, when I look back, I see that God has always been in control. I don't know if you have your, uh, your pamphlet, your little sheet, that blue sheet with you. Do you mind taking it out? There's a long quote in there that I want to share with you. This is from Ray Pritchard, and I love this. He says this, A friend once told me that we are like ants crawling across a painting by Rembrandt. We crawl, we, we crawl across the dark brown and think all of life is dark brown. 
And then we hit green and think, oh, this is better. Now all is green. But soon comes the dark blue and then a splash of yellow, a streak of red, and then another patch of brown. On we journey from one color to another, never realizing that God is actually painting a masterpiece in all our lives using all the colors of the palette. One day, we will learn that every color had its place, had a reason. Nothing was wasted or out of place. Just as there is a time and a season for everything, there is also a color for every stage of life's journey. When the painting is finished, we will discover that we were part of his masterpiece from the very beginning. Time is the canvas on which God does his painting, and eternity is the perspective from which we will see the beauty of his handiwork. Isn't that beautiful? What he's saying is at times what we see is kind of the circumstance, and we think that is what is happening, and that things are out of control, and once again, once we get to heaven, we will look back and we will see that God was painting a masterpiece, that everything had a purpose and a time. What if there are no accidents in our lives and that you are exactly where you need to be today? What if even the things in your life you are unhappy about, you want changed, not on accident, and that God is in control of it. Let me ask you a question. I'd like for you to share with the person next to you. If God came to you, said to you right now, if you can change anything in your life, I'll change it, what would that be? Do you mind sharing with the person next to you? If there's anything that you would like to change in your life, what would that be? Go ahead. I don't know if, if it's safe to even ask if anyone would like to share. Don't say my marriage. No, don't say stuff like that, okay? I'm not going to ask. I'll just share what I... What I <laughs> Is my son in here? Okay, I hope not. But anyways, so, look, I love my family. Don't judge me. But look, I'm talking to my parents with young children. Look, there are times with God, it was like, hey, you could change it. I'd be like... Can my, can my kids just be 18 by now? Come on now. I'm just so tired, right? Like, I want them growing up, and people are like, you're going to miss this stage. I'm like, sometimes, like, no, I'm not. Josh can't understand anyway. He's probably on the phone. But I think there are times when we struggle because we think that there are avenues of our life that we want change because we're not happy about. And sometimes you can start to think that, like, yeah, it is difficult. And... Maybe, God, you're not in control. You know, I heard this in a book I was reading from the author. And he says that when life gets hard and he starts struggling and his face gets tested, he repeats to himself over and over again these three things. And I've been kind of using it. It's been very helpful. He says, he repeats this to himself over and over again. He says, God is good. 
God is good to me, and God is in control. And he repeats that to himself over and over again. And I found this to be very profoundly helpful even in my own journey because there are times I believe that God is good. Like he's good to people, but maybe he's not good to me. Or I I believe God's good, but like there are things that are chaotic in the world. Like, God, what are you doing? Maybe you're not in control. Maybe things are slipping out of your hand. And I love this because the author is saying is what we need to do is instead of being moved by feeling, we need to be moved by truth. To remind ourselves constantly that as Joseph declared here to his brothers over and over again, he says it five times. He gives credit to God. He says, you did not send me here. God sent me here. Yeah, you think this is what you did. But actually, God is the one that is in control. Because God is good, God is good to me, and God is in control. My friends, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I want you to understand that God has a plan for your life. And sometimes it looks weird. It's not what we imagined it to be. Like Joseph, his journey was, I'm sure, not what he imagined it would be when he put on that multicolored coat And he was the favorite of his father. And all of a sudden, life took a left turn and it never went back. And yet, he was able to have spiritual eyes to see that really, although life is not what I imagined it, God, I know you're good. I know you're there. And I know you're in control. And whatever you're going through, please be reminded, God is good. God is good to you. God is in control. He has a plan. There are no accidents. And one day, when we pass from this life, we will look at the masterpiece he painted and say, praise the Lord. You know what I also love about this? Is he says the purpose that God instilled. The reason why he sent them here. Right? He doesn't say, like, I trust God because now I'm second to Pharaoh. I'm eating the best food. I sleep in a very nice bed. So now that's why I trust him. That's not what he says. Because he knows his plan, God's plan for him, is not about his success and comfort. What does he say? He says, God sent me here so that for the remnant, for the survivors, for the kingdom work. Do you see that? He's saying, my life the ups and downs, that God has a plan and he will use it for his purposes, for his glory and to draw us closer to him. And in that, I trust. My friends, these two things that we talked about this morning are very difficult. But I just pray for an openness and a willingness in your heart to let the Holy Spirit to do a work, to maybe consider that which was maybe impossible, to be a place where you would let God start to work in the area of forgiveness to those maybe that are even close to us that have hurt us, and to trust God. And right now, maybe life doesn't look the way you imagined it to be. My prayer is that 
we would let Christ do a work in these areas. Let's pray together. Um, Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are actively involved in all of our lives. Because some of the things that we are called to do in this life, even the simple act of love, is very difficult when we consider that it means that we have to forgive, that we ought to consider forgiving those that have harmed us. Loving you means trusting, even when life gets very rocky at times. Fill our hearts, remind us that you are there, you are good, you are good to us, and that you are in control. So open up our hearts and give us a willingness to consider these things this morning. It's only possible if you are in our lives. So we thank you for your grace that abounds for every season and circumstance. We praise you. We thank you for your love for us. In your name we pray.